Howdy folks, it is Monday, May 30th, 2011. It is Memorial Day. I am Skip Ruddertail, your Otter Editor, and with me, as always, is the infamous... Toots is the jaywalking cat. Yeah. Toots is that, that, the headstrang cat. Right. <laughs> uh, so, I uh, we've got a good story to talk about this week. Uh, Ranny Collins, uh, Carnal Shock. Carnal Shock. Carnal Shock, yes. Very dramatic title, and we could yeah, talk about that too. Carnal knowledge. Uh, I also wanted to give a little report because I was gone last weekend. As mm-hmm. you know, I was at FAU for Affinity United. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the two big furry gatherings going on last weekend. May is a little crazy. Uh, was uh, what Elliot Spring Gathering? Elliot Spring down gathering. south um, was also going on, and I had a couple friends who went to that. But yeah. Note to people planning or organizing furry cons, pick a different month than May. May's a little crazy. I think there is a con every week, at least one, sometimes more than one, every weekend in May. So I think this week it's Rocket City. Uh, there's another, there's Califer next weekend, you know, just, just... Back off a little. And FAU had attracted so many people. How many people did it attract? FAU had uh, about, I think, 530-something. 530, that's almost enough. Which is more than last year. Almost enough to make a high school football game interesting. Exactly, exactly. That many people cheering in a crowd would almost be significant. I I like little cons, actually, because there's a lot of time. For talking with folks and networking, and if you're at a big con, you know it's always, it's always a party and a zoo going on. So you you do different things, at little and big cons, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So I had a good time. I went up with uh, White Fox and Harvey the Hare, the the owners of Rabbit Valley, and I did guest star on Live from the Hop In. So make sure you catch me on this week's episode. So I want to give a shout out to them. So do check them out at the Live from the Hop hopping. In. And do pick up some books from rabbitvalley.com. Yes, doing some podcast hopping. I also, hopefully, am making a little appearance on uh, um, Buck Hopper's uh, Furry Basketball Association, too. So we'll see that. And he, they take a little longer because um, they do some really neat editing tricks. So probably about a month for that. Uh, but do check him out because he's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I had a good time. We sold a lot of books. We sold we basically sold out of all the bad dog book stuff, so I was happy to see that. I think we had That's good. one copy of Roar 2 left and one copy of Heathen City 2. Sold out of everything else. Could have sold some more copies of some of the stuff, so that was nice to see. Um, very happy about that. But yeah, I had a good, good. time. Always, and always you'll nice have to, to come success. next year. Yeah. Hey, and thanks to all, all our fans out there for buying our stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I mean, we couldn't guys. do it without and you. I was also really touched, um, uh, One of the, a woman there... Um, was telling her friend, I overheard her saying, not to me, but to her friend, God, I love the Bad Dog Book Club so much. So whoever you are um, who said that, I think that was during uh, during the FBA, the Free Basketball Association thing, thank you. I really appreciate that. That was really made my day. And you Definitely. rock. So you Skip's day. You can be fan number one, right? Yeah, well, Skip's going to get an incredible ego here. I think it's a <laughs> short matter of time but people keep saying nice hey. things about them you know, you know. i mean i, I want to encourage you all i mean it's 
I give plenty of nice things to find to say about them. Yes, we are. Pretty you know, I should point out the air conditioning is not on yet. So, uh, and it is a pretty warm day in, here in DC, and both Tunes and I are uh, broadcasting shirtless. So, for those of you in on the video feed, you're getting a treat. There's no video feed. Don't tell them that. Don't tell them there's no video feed. Why did you have to tell them I took my shirt off? Like, oh my goodness. you're the eye candy. Because I'm the eye candy. It's a radio show. You're the eye candy. It's the... No. Ah, jeez, that's not how it works. Alright, well, I guess we should, you know... To avoid the embarrassment. Yes, exactly. Jeez, I'm crying. So there was a story here somewhere this week, I think, right? Oh, but before... Oh, okay. Before... I'm actually doing now what I'm going to apologize for. All right. But all I right. wanted to get to this subject before we got too far into what we're going to talk about this story. Is I received, I think, uh, over the last week, some constructive criticism. Oh. And maybe a uh, an opportunity to apologize to you. And I just want to say, like, I, not to offer it as, a, as an excuse, but it, it, it is my personal viewpoint. I don't realize I'm doing it, but I've been, t- been told by a couple people recently that I've interrupted you a lot. Oh, really? I feel Did I interrupt I, you a lot. Oh, I don't know. Well, at any rate, I do think it is necessary. You know, a lot of people finish their points, and, you know, it doesn't irritate me when people interrupt me. So, if anything, I'm going to try try to remain conscious of that. Because I think it's good just to make sure you listen to constructive criticism when you get it. And if nothing else, maybe if we're not sensing it, if they're they're hearing it, that I'm interrupting you, maybe they want to hear what you're saying, even if I'm tired to shit. I don't know. I, I think you may be lucky that he's interrupting me because I'm probably <laughs> blathering on too long. So I think it's a it's a fail safe mechanism, I believe is is what they call it. You know, you just cut in when I'm just starting to drone on. It's and certainly on and on. a more aggressive form of yeah. socializing. It's something that anyway, you probably I learned from. Well, I, w- I was worried I interrupt you too often, so we we can agree that we interrupt each other too often. Let's shake on it. Sure, but naked, the important thing. half naked shake on it. Oh my That's goodness! The important thing. Back to- I'm no. gonna put my shirt on. Oh come on! Don't Celebrate do, don't you, do me. Don't do it. You're actually doing it. Uh huh. Why? You're gonna be hot. I'm joking. I mean, you're <laughs> going to be hotter. Yes. Oh, that was the other FAU news. We almost forgot. Many of you have already seen it, and I think it'll be up on the website soon. We have our first uh, Bad Dog Book Club official artwork. Oh, by yeah. the amazing and talented Rukas, mm-hmm. who can be found on for affinity at Rukas. That's R U K I S. Um, she did an excellent picture. It was great because I, I I've, I've met her several times. She's actually doing the or has done the Fang One cover, which will be debuting at Anthrocon next month. Um, but I said, you know, I, I want to do something. I mean, this is a porn podcast half the time, so I want to do something that's a little escape, but that we could crop nicely. And she paused for a moment, and then she book club, and she grinned, and she said, what if you're reading at a table, and underneath the table, you're getting busy? And oh that was it. Word. I was like, that is brilliant, you're a genius, and then she ran with it. So yeah. that is, that's how that came about. So we hope you enjoy the First, hopefully, first of many uh, copies of Bad Dog Book Club art. Really? Yes. Yes. Tons. First of many. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. I have well, no I, I really, I, I, I really liked it. So <laughs> I like it. I'm just, yeah, I just, yeah. I, I, I have this weird kind of, um, I don't know. It's almost like a like a stage fright of being in um in art, and I I only call it that because it's the closest thing I feel to actually like being, you know. Prior to going on stage, which I've done before, like I've done a little bit of stand-up because like amateur stuff. Mm-hmm. It's fun. 
I can only stand to do it like once every year. So, and when, like when I see like a picture go up and that I, and I'm in it, I just feel like very awkward, very tense, just knowing that people are gonna see it, knowing people are gonna react to it. And it's weird because it's not something I feel quite so much when I post stories mm-hmm. that I've written. It feels so much more playful, so much more fun, and I mm-hmm. kind of feel like almost like I, as if I can feel out the response when I get to yeah. it. But art, I have no control over. I'm not an uh, artist. I don't draw well, these well, things. Well, okay, I did go for something playful and fun, you've got to admit. You did. I did. You did. It's the kind I of did. thing, I, I would have liked this if I would have stumbled it across. F.A. It's just, I got go. it in my email inbox. It's like, oh my goodness. But then you're like, <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> So thank no, but, you, okay. thank you, Rukas. It was You're great. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. It's just the rare anthropomorphic. Well, now things. maybe you can have some kind of little icon picture when you post on FA, other than a screen cap from some TV show which airs on no. Saturday night. Okay, the, the icon I'm using now was done by. Oh, what's her name? Well, a little that one's cute, but a lot of yours still have you know. And I was some using the icon. Uh, no, and I was using an icon by Notepad. Uh-huh. And Notepad had done of of Tunes's. but Tunes's uh-huh. is just a goddamn cat. That's that's the joke. If Tunes's were an anthropomorphic cat, it would be commonplace that he's driving a car. Apparently, if Tunes's were an anthropomorphic like, cat, he'd be driving my pants. But that's neither <laughs> no. here nor there. Okay. No, the joke there is that the story, it's a regular damn cat story. that's doing it. No, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> I've made my point. You can right, you can interrupt. Okay. Thank you. So, Carnal Shock. Well, this was. A little bit of a departure for us because we did something different for those of you who listen and i hope you did because uh, it was good uh we had it's it's not really a radio play but i suppose we we read the story but the lines of our two main characters were acted out mm-hmm. by ronnie who played uh jerry the dalmatian and you, Tunces, who yeah. played Sam the Fox, and maybe you want to talk a little bit about how that experience was for you. Well, I, I had actually agreed to do this. Ronnie came to to me with this idea before I knew he had submitted the story to you mm-hmm. to read for the book club. I guess he wanted uh, me to look at this thing kind of separately. and uh, cause he, I, I don't know, whatever his plan was, but... So then I actually kind of agreed to do this a while ago, and I, was, I, I liked it because I was surprised at how well the audiobooks had done on our show and how much people were listening to them. Cause it, it, I, I guess it must have always evaded me just how much people like to listen to books. I don't know, because I hate it, whatever. But, you know, people <laughs> like it, so good for them. So I thought, hey, <laughs> it might be fun. There's a ringing endorsement for you. <laughs> but no, I thought um, ro- ro- it seemed like it, like it might be fun, and Ronnie seemed like a nice guy, and I like the story, so mm-hmm. cool, why not? And then... Uh, just turned out that we're going to be using for the for the book club. So hey, cool. That actually works out. And, and I mean, like how did you find time. the actual process? Oh, it was fun. I mean, all I had to do was I kept one of these um, you know, I kept one of these microphones here, mm-hmm. and you were kind enough to send me a script, uh, a thing with just my lines highlighted, oh, so that I would it would get right through them and not miss any, which I still did. <laughs> <laughs> had to redo and, one. Yeah, but I mean, I just sit. I just sat here in like maybe fifteen minutes. I was able to do a mm-hmm. couple different uh, tries for each line and then I got sent it to Ronnie I actually was able to host it on my on my website which made mm-hmm. it super convenient I, don't mm-hmm. know. I got it to Ronnie and uh, he had a couple of suggestions we redid a couple of lines only took like half an hour 45 minutes late one night or something like that cool it was fun because it's one of those things where like they say uh, oh it's a completely cut up process and you go in you do your lines and you don't even uh-huh. know what you're reacting to really uh-huh. yeah it's kind of exactly like that yeah 
Well, at least you read the story, so I guess yep. it's a little more than some movie actors. But yes, that it does illustrate that you know what a a multi country and multi continent effort uh, the Bad Dog Book Club is. For those of you who don't know, um, Alex, the CEO of Bad Dog Books, is in Amsterdam. He's in the Netherlands, and so we're often uh, you know having him record stuff for zipping files across the Atlantic to each other, and you know we've got. Microphones here. Ronnie is up in Canada. We've yeah, got, you know, readers. It's, it's. I love that. I mean, that's just one of the things I love about doing this is working with people all over. So what thank I wanna, you, people all over. Yeah, what I wanted to impress was just how much you know, it, like Ronnie's um, drive to actually go out and do it kind mm-hmm. of impressed yeah. me. Yeah, I thought that was nice. Hey, cool. Yeah, well, I stepped got up and, and edited it. it together too, which I really appreciated being at FAU because I was like, there's no way I'm going to have time to do it. Uh, last weekend, so I appreciate Ronnie set, uh, stepping up and um, splicing all the parts together. Excellent yep. job. Sounded great. Yeah, it sounded really good. As those of you following me on Twitter, you know, I was sitting there like, I actually edited this story. I've read it about five times at least, and I'm sitting here driving in the car getting a boner as I listen to it again. <laughs> oh, my so, word. That was partially the story and, and an excellent reading by you and Ronnie. Yes, it is dirty. That is distracted driving, though. It is yes, distracted right, from the Bad Dog Book Club. Hey, I kept it in my pants. <laughs> Didn't want to get too distracted. But I guess I imagine that like some conservative might be driving down the road listening to Rush Limbaugh with a stiffy, so I guess just shouldn't judge. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's a terrible, terrible thing to think about. Never mention it again. No, it happens all the time. Uh, I can't get it out of my head. Rush Limbaugh. That's, Rush that's, Limbaugh. Oh, God. And just people's responses That's why you keep to screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's let's talk about the actual content of the story. I mean, it's a really cute little story. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I like about it. You know, we, we read... Um, you know, we've read a lot of very weighty stories, honestly. Yes. For this podcast. And this one and was very pornographic. Please excuse the wind in the background, but we're not closing the window because it is 90 degrees out. So, yes. If well, you it's get it's a natural that, theme. Yeah, I, like the, I like the atmosphere. Exactly, exactly. But, like, it, it's, it's a very pornographic story in the sense that it evokes how an actual pornographic movie is set up and shot and conceived and mm-hmm. produced. It's it that is that eventual kind of end product, the kind of thing that you imagine. It's like like, like you said, even after having uh, read it five times, it was still kind of activating your on switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, that's the kind of thing that like oh we might really appreciate the flowery prose and like the wonderful use of imagery in this other story. But if it's having this kind of effect on you, mm-hmm. whatever critique you might want to level against it, you kind of have to take with a grain of salt because it's having its yeah, it's yeah. it's having its, re- its intended effect. And I really don't have any critiques against it. I think it, as you said, it sets up to do something very simple. Um, and it does it. Yeah. And and that's something laudable, I think. You know, because we do read a lot of stories and we well read. I mean, I love the stories you read that are very complicated and angsty and, you know, filled with skullduggery and murder and, and mm-hmm. broken hearts and all these things, but it, it's it's fun to sometimes, you know, just get to something fun and porny yeah. and enjoy it. That's the way I approach when I'm writing, is I think at the end of the day, people want to get, get off. Mm-hmm. I always imagine people reading my stories at like 3.15am and thinking, oh my god, it's so late, I gotta get to sleep, oh shit, I should've jerked off first. There you go. How can well, I and get- we've talked about that, I mean, I said that, you know, there's nothing wrong, it's like the people who... And, you know, it's so free. They have that little like "I came" button. You yeah, know, oh and then there are people like, or they'll get like comments on their picture, like somebody said they came. I don't want to know that. It's like you drew fucking porn. What oh. do you think? Oh, thunder! Now that's good. Ominous it's like you thunder. drew porn. 
as the anger you in you is really like going to, you can't be upset that somebody came if you drew porn stop trying porn then you can be upset maybe you know i don't uh, i don't get the anger either yeah i don't know i was, so I, I was I, like I, the lone defender it. it was a cute that. story um and there are a bunch of little things i i like the i mean let's talk about furry stereotypes a moment I always try to invent them, because I have no idea where they even come from. Like, what yeah. possible kind of, like, basis could there be for a furry stereotype right. in the world? Like, you just, all, create, just create... There aren't any real air. furries, so... No. It's like, you can't, like, observe their behaviors and, like, examine, right. like, what they're doing, like, sociologically, whatever. I know, so, uh, was it, Eli Lapso earlier this week was trying to collect furry stereotypes from people, so I'll have to check with them mm. and see, uh... Here's you the know, fur- what he's found. But, of course, you know, there's the fox one, which this plays off of, that they're... You know that they're bottoms. All foxes are bottoms. We all know this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that they're, but they're sly and sneaky and tricky. And and this is it. Reminded me of um, the start of Kyle Gold's Out of Position, say, where it's just basically the first section of that book. That's the tiger's attitude, clearly. Um, you know the foxes are, you know, sneaky and sly, and you can't quite trust them. Well, that and, sounds and so kind of like it's drawn more from legends and things like mm-hmm, that. There's some actual mm-hmm. like literary basis for that. But mm-hmm. I always wanted, like, I was trying to popularize the furry stereotype that all foxes smell like saltwater taffy. Wow. Because why not? Why Does shouldn't saltwater taffy have much of a smell? Yeah, it smells fucking delicious. Have you ever had saltwater taffy? Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. Okay. It's I, I awesome. Never, what the if, smell never really Would that be a me. terrible thing? And the thing is, whenever I assert to foxes that they smell like saltwater taffy, and they get angry about it. Because real-life like, foxes smell pretty, uh... Like, like animals. Rank. They smell like wild animals. Yeah. They smell like, obviously. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Jeez, I'm crow. I don't even want yeah. to describe in words what a wild fox probably smells I've like. I've met some stinky animals. Foxes but, are pretty But stinky. in fake life. But anyway. No, but, yeah. no in fake world. A fox doesn't smell like saltwater taffy, because wouldn't that just be pleasant? Yeah. Or if you just met a dude that just smelled, like, faintly of watermelon part of it, you know, we have talked in oh, the past word. about how, you know, people pick species based on kind of cultural constructions of them. And so it makes sense, you know, some of these that are fables and images, you know. So, yeah, fox is, of course, a great example, because, you know, what are... You know, think about words like foxy and vixen. Mm-hmm. You know, we do associate those sex- sexuality. And then Aesop's fable, you know, slyness yes. and tricksters. You know, the tricks. Reynard, you know, the, the trickster fox in French and European fairy tales. Yes. Um, so I, I like, so we're, we're having kind of exploration of this this definite furry stereotype. Yeah. Foxes are all bottoms. And that's, of course, what <laughs> Jerry, our Dalmatian, of course, assumes uh, going into this, that he's going to nail this fox. Because he's not a fox, and so if you're not a fox and you're with a fox, obviously you're going to nail the fox. Right. That's how I operate personally. Well, I, I chose not to interrupt. I was going to say that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Touché, sir. Touché. <laughs> I'm gonna, just, not going to interrupt, but I'm going to be passive-aggressive after the fact. There I chose not to interrupt. I was going to say that... Hmm. Well, let me recollect my my thoughts now. I'm not sure this is an improvement. I was going to say that, you know, humans and animals have always interacted, so obviously animal and animal imagery have always played roles in in, in human stories. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to me still that people would would use animal imagery in stories, and it still makes sense to me naturally that people would make stories about animals, essentially, like animal people. Mm -hmm. And then I let you talk, and then it became, oh, clearly all foxes are bottoms. And I think that's a good illustration, because that's what we've gotten to at this point in postmodern yeah. existence. Like, yeah, whatever that, 
there's that lofty, like, ancient fables about, you know, the slyness and the craftiness of Fox, and now all our Foxes are just getting fucked. Well, I don't know. I think it's something into. that people... Thanks, modern society. But I think it's something that people play with, and this story is an example of that. I mean, there's... It's, it's a stereotype, but people recognize that it's a stereotype. It's true. And isn't true. They do. And so they play with it. It's something like... It, there was but an example. It My partner... Wait, no, no, hold on, hold on. You say it isn't true. You say flat out it isn't true, right? As if it necessarily can't be true. Is that well, true? it's not 100% true. Okay, but that's not what you said. You said it isn't true. You didn't say it isn't 100% well, true. okay. Because here's the thing, is a lot of people might purposefully uh, seek that out if they are bottoms yeah. in real life. Well, they so are, or they'll are bottoms, pick a fox not? because, hey, you know, I'm a bottom. Right, exactly. I, really? I'm a bottom. I, you know, want to do these things. A lot of, this is a it's fox like, stereotype that'll help me do these things. Oh, Doom. It's we might have to edit out some of the thunder. We'll see. Oh, we'll no, play like it by it. ear. Yeah, we'll, no. we might leave it in. It's good. It, it lends a. Put on end we rock, of the paper, world. scissors. I win. We, this no, no, all no, stays no, in. Stop. Oh, you make me take my shirt off, but you want to indulge me. Yeah, yeah. That's not rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's. I mean, it's something that people play with. So, you know, an example of this kind of thing is, um, you know, my partner, Grey Bunny, uh, he had a straight friend come to him and, you know, after Bunny said, you know, I'm gay and blah, and I'm with Skip, um, the straight friend's like, well, who's, you know, who's the guy and who's the girl? Mm -hmm. And Bun goes, that's not how it works, but I'm the girl. (laughs) And I love it. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. And it, it is this kind of recognition that this is a stereotype, but it's a stereotype that I can use to my advantage and I'm going to play with. And I think that that's kind of the point, part of the point this story is making. That, you know, it, we're, especially, you know, if you're queer in some way, whether it's sexually or otherwise, you know, you, you, you do, you're faced with these stereotypes all the time, and you either learn to use them to your advantage, or you go crazy. Or you join a campus queer group. Ah, okay, well, let's, let's talk, let's talk, you said you have a pet peeve about campus queer groups, so let's, yeah, let's I don't, I, don't know, I just don't like them. Yeah? Because they're, no, so, they're always just so wrapped up within themselves. Mm-hmm. And I remember the only thing, well, maybe I just had a bad experience with my mm-hmm. you know, campus LGBT group at campus, mm-hmm. at, I mean, Faceless State University in Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, all they did, all they really did was they organized an event, like one event during the year that was like an open house people could attend where they had little signs that they talked about how sexuality isn't, you know, something that is choosing it's you're born with it or maybe, you know. You kind of get it or something. But you shouldn't be mean to people. I don't know. It just felt so completely insignificant. Mm-hmm. And after I uh, left and I went to a an LGBT organization in Washington, D.C. to do an internship, and I saw actually actual concrete work being done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in regards to um, changing the, 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 the conditions LGBT people mm-hmm. live in in the United States. Like, even me as a cynical person who likes to be, like, so... Like, so far outside the political spectrum and, like, so cynical and, like, so uh, disrespectful of things just because they're successful. It, it, was, it was nice to see. Like, I, mm-hmm. actually, I could actually see these things work. I, I, um, yeah. That's a, I mean, you saw people doing something they felt was more substantive, yeah. it not just like. like. It, not just, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be so cynical because mm-hmm. I think ultimately I just wasn't a social person, and that's what mm-hmm. this was. Mm-hmm. It's, and, that's, and in the story, that's the, that's the function it serves, too, ultimately. 
It's a social well, group. I like what he's saying about it because it's something that I kind of see in furry. I, I think it's the immediate reaction that Sam takes, and he's a fox, so he's kind of pulling Jerry's leg here or whatever. That kind of point about, you know, like, you know, we're trying to do important work here and change the world, and you're just coming looking for sex uh, is kind of what gets leveled at Jerry, which is true. Um, I thought it was a good point to make, though, and I like, this is why I like how the ending kind of ties it up, because I run into this, I feel, sometimes with furries, uh, as well as the gay community, that, you know, we're so wrapped up in changing the world, or so concerned about, you know, what other people think of us, that we forget that, you know, it's fun being gay, and it's fun being furry. And we should do the things that are fun. Really? Yeah. It's fun? It is. <laughs> oh, come on. Dude, come Even, on. What on earth, really? Come this on. This is fun? Now, I you're, just, okay. now you're just being, now you're just bullshitting I guess it's to cool. be no, purposely That's true. Yeah. No. I, I mean, it, 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 and it's something I think that sometimes people get a little too wrapped up in the political in the identity politics of, you know, whatever group they're part of, to realize that, you know, you're not doing this, or you're not this way, you know, because it's political or whatever. You're doing it because you love it, and you are it, and you care about it. And that's important to remember. And so, yeah, you know, a big part of being gay for a lot of folks is, you know, the gay sex. And there's nothing wrong with that and that's what i I like about this story i think i just have an issue with the terminology i just i wouldn't say it's fun i'd say it's clearly superior (laughs) (laughs) oh man i'm not oh man i'm not touching that one wow wow all right so i apologize taller i'm saying you're belittling it you're belittling our superiority. By, You're just belittling because, the authority just, we have over humanity. Just really. because of we that. We as the gay elite. Just because of that, next week's story is going to be a straight one. <laughs> no! Jinx it. No! Yes. Oh, yes. God Don't hush a minute. Now, Jinx Tiger <laughs> has sent in a couple stories, and, and they are straight. And so, finally, I know I've been promising it for a while, finally, we're going to have an MF story next week. Cool. And it's porny. Oh and goodness. you are going to read it, and you're going to talk about it. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to talk about All right, it. See? I'm going to do it. Yeah, as as we've talked about that? in the past, I'm bi-leaning gay, and, and he's just gay. And I'm gay leaning into the bathhouse. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So uh, that, that's, Not pretty, that's pretty gay for all of you who, who aren't in on the bathhouse thing. No, not me either. I always, I, feel like, I always feel like I make enough of these jokes, and eventually people have to take enough of them seriously. <laughs> right. Like, oh my god, how bad must people think I am? Pretty bad. <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm crow. All right, um, so no, I like that kind of discussion, but I like the ending, you know, saying that um, this the, the political aspect of things and the changing aspect is important, you know, because it, it allows us to have more fun in the future and it makes our lives better. And so I like that little that's probably my favorite part of the story i think in some ways is that little bit at the ending you know which is um if you start coming to our meetings you know we can do this again and i'll be the top or the bottom and i I like that little ending and i thought it was very playful 
Um, yeah. Which fit in with the story. Nicely. It's a story that's really hot. Mm-hmm. In real life, that's exactly why I didn't go. Yeah, because you weren't hooking up. No, because, like, why? Yeah. Ugh. I didn't hook up with anybody in my gay, uh, straight alliance either. But I, I found it useful, they at might, least for a few years. What if they would have um, tried to hit on me? I would have been so awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poor buddy. All right. I should have just been born a neuter. Um, I did have one thing. Uh, I, I, one of the things I wanted to talk about here is um, the idea of perspective in the story. Because mm-hmm. it's not a first... It's, the story's not written in the first person, not written in the second person. It is written in the third person. Um, but it is clearly from the perspective of Jerry, in my opinion. You know, it's it's in his head, in a lot of ways, is the viewpoint of the story. Well, you tend to say that a lot of writers are bottoms. I do. I tend so to I wanted to of, bring that up. I tend to say a lot of people are bottoms. Yes, You tend to I think agree. specifically writers are a lot well, of bottoms. Well, no, that's a good point. So, I don't... Read, listeners, uh, what do you think? Because I, I maintain that most of the... Good, you know, big name furry writers, at least I know, they're all bottoms. And, you know, what's up with that? And and I think you make Skip, a good, you you make a good <laughs> point. To, I think people can figure it out. Come on. <laughs> Do a little homework here. Uh, <laughs> but I think, and their partners, if they have one, don't write, you know, or are an artist or whatever, you know, they're, they're just like, you know they're being. I guess they're too busy being tops like me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and certainly my bunny draws, you know, and stuff, and I don't, you know. So there you go. A lot of artists, I think, it's true for too. So that's interesting to me. And you make a good point, um, and I think a lot of research backs this up that you know most people in the straight, straight or gay men or women are bottoms. You know, so. You say it's really not that surprising because most people are going to be bottoms. But I yeah. don't know. I almost feel like it's it's even a little more disproportionate about that for writers. And I'm wondering, you know, what is it? Or, you know, maybe we don't even want to answer that today. But maybe think about um, yeah, if, this is, if this is the case, why is this the case? So if, if you agree that, you know, that um, most of the writers are bottoms, like, why? And and is it just a coincidence or is there a reason or do you disagree? So yeah, let us know because um, I'm interested. I, I have this, you know, I don't know. It's just obser- It's just completely n- unscientific observation on my part. Hmm. I see. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, the part of that I base on usually I think in in porn stories, most of the stories I read on so furry, the at least the gay stories. Let's put it this way are written from the perspective of the bottoming character. And most of the stories you write are also, I'd say, written from the perspective of the bottoming character, I've noticed. Uh, Is that hotter in some way? Or is that more relatable because more of the readers are bottoms? I tend to find the the submissive perspective to be a bit more intriguing and mm-hmm. I, I don't know maybe it's um maybe it's really revealing my own biases but i tend to find the dominant perspective to be too uh single and you know forward mm-hmm. it just seems too much like oh you know go dominate compete maybe win. Like, I don't if you're that, but. in the bottom there there's more suspense in the story because your character knows less of what's going to happen to him yeah there's also that there's also much more of a sense of there's stuff happening to the bottom mm-hmm. other things happening uh, from the top, if you're right, going to right. say that. Uh, I do, but I think that's also kind of a myth. 
and I don't. I, it, it, writing maybe shouldn't support that. Hmm. It might support the idea that more people are bottoms and more people want to read about bottoming, but it really shouldn't support the idea that you know tops are more in control or tops are more dominant necessarily mm-hmm. because we have a lot oh, of, we I have a lot of speaking, to say. speaking as a top it's like oh man you don't need to convince me on that the the so much of what happens in any given moment is dictated by the bottom so so cuz the problem is the ratio between tops and bottoms is not 50-50 yes but if Which you look at the fact, global i am very happy with personally if you looked at the, the global population between tops and bottoms for just instances of sex, the number of bottoms would be only slightly lower than the number of tops. I think globally there are more bottoms than tops. Even if people aren't... I mean, it's more than just the physical act, you know. So even if, you know, there's a 50-50 ratio of people physically, you know, penetrating or being penetrated or no, whatever. slightly under, slightly under. Um, you got to remember. But I think, you know, in terms of the roles people are playing, I still think they're way more bottoms. Mm-hmm. The point being, there are a lot of bottoms topping out there. Yeah, yep. The, the, the poor yep. souls. Got to be versatile. The yep. poor souls. Yep. We got to make do somehow. Yeah. We we appreciate your sacrifice. Yeah. You know, put two foxes in a bedroom problem. Yeah. It's see, that's what this working. fox is doing. Right. I think this fox is sacrificing. <laughs> this fox is sacrificing himself. So I still go. I still get the impression this fox is the bottom. This fox wants to get plowed. Yeah. Let's be clear. He's a fox. He is a fox. Right? He wants to get plowed, but. He's like sacrifice because the Dalmatian wants to get plowed too. Yeah, no, I gotta, I gotta work. No, I like that was um, that was one of the interesting things for me with this story is I actually helped Ronnie edit this story, mm-hmm. and so I saw it in earlier versions, um, which was a first for me in terms of the podcast. And so it was interesting to see how it grew and, and think about um, my minor role as editor. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the things that, which I think ended up working really well in one, in, in the story, and I was very happy with how he did this, is one of the things I originally suggested is, in this, we got to the sex scene, and, and it suddenly, somehow, the story became much more, um, rote and static, and less interesting in the original draft, and I, I kept thinking, what's going on here? Why, why is this less interesting? And I suddenly realized that Ronnie was describing all the, you know, cool sex going on. How do you mean? Like, saying, oh, and then he also penetrated his... his right, body. I mean, and it'd be, but it'd be, you know, well-described, and it'd be hot, you know, and it's like, yeah, you clinical. know, he, he squeezed that knot in, or whatever, and it, which is great. And, but then I realized, like, all of a sudden, whereas the kind of prelude to the sex, I guess we'll call it, you know, we know a lot of their emotions and their kind of humor about things and how they're feeling and that he's awkward when Sam strikes him down at first and Mm -hmm. and how he feels. Then we got to sex and we didn't know how they felt anymore. And so that's what I said to Ryan. I said, go back and like, you know, how does it feel for Jerry, you know, as that knock goes in? Like physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, what is going on here? Right. For him. And so we went back and really, I think, worked that in. The end result was really, and I think it made it a much hotter um, sexy, and it made it much easier, it made it more visceral for me, and it made it easier for me to be kind of in there seeing myself mm-hmm. in the characters. Right. Um, so that was interesting as an editor, just a little editorial aside. An editorial editorial. That's cool. I, I hadn't seen the, uh, the, uh, previously written version, so mm-hmm. I'll take your word on it. Mm-hmm. I thought the end of uh, what it came up with was pretty good. Yeah. Very hot. Like I said, but, but my, my, in the car. 
my tip for I think this is a, a trap that a lot of writers do fall into mm-hmm. oftentimes they it, I don't know maybe they start getting distracted or something I don't want to lay accusations here. <laughs> but they start, start they start uh, just kind of describing things in just a very direct plain way mm-hmm. I also sometimes think as if they feel the work is over like yeah. oh I did the part of the story that people don't want to have to read but read so they know what's going on now I can do the part that they're going to read anyway right you know right. like no you can't approach it like that that part has to be good too mm-hmm. you have to like concentrate on both but I think if my tr- my trick for avoiding this is go into your word filter and find your protagonist's name, and do uh, immediate replace with the word defendant, and see if it reads like a court document. Ooh, wow, that is really cool. I've never heard that before. No, I've never even tried it. But it sounds like an idea in my <laughs> it head. Sounds no, it sounds brilliant. So you should awesome. try it. writers. <laughs> you should try that. I really like this idea. That. That's a really that's a really interesting idea. Yeah. Or I'm if you want to do it the old fashioned way, you could just read the stories and try harder. But yeah, that that's but that, that's hand. how it would read if you're not doing this job with a sex scene. If it does that, yeah, read like defendant did this, did this, did this, that's that's it has what to be you're gonna thorough and detailed and have a, and give a good sense of what happened right. in the court document. But if you don't do. get it the stuff that you're not supposed to do in court is, you know, emotions, reactions, implications, you know, feelings. I'm gonna start and working Latin that's phrases what into you've my gotta pulp. have in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Latin is cool. So when if if a, if a guy is being held on the edge of orgasm, I'm gonna describe it as stare decisis. Yeah. Latin is cool. Yeah. Gotta look it up. <laughs> I mean, they gotta look it up. No, we're not gonna help. Stare decisis, yeah. Um, look it up. So I I don't know. Do we have much more to say? We've covered some good ground. I just you know it was yeah it was a fun story. I I'm enjoyed good. it. Thank you, Ronnie. On. Uh, I'm gonna need to take a few pictures first, and then I'll let him put his shirt back on. <laughs> Can I take the leash off? Yes. Thank you. Oh my god, this leather is Actually, so cloying. You didn't ask skin. right, but no. <laughs> All right. So uh, if that's it for us, that's it for me, and that's it for you, right, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. What? Just Why do I even kidding. Let We're you not do that. You know, despite what illustrations may indicate, the things you know, I we have a very professional with. relationship. So. The things I let Tops get away with. Yeah, exactly. We got to we got to act out these roles just to an extent. So um, we will see you next week, where we yes we will have a heterosexual story by Jinx Tiger. Uh, so do join us. Then have a lovely Memorial Day weekend, and I hope you didn't have to work today. So that's it. That's it for me. Ciao. Ciao. That's it. Ciao, Bellows. Mm-hmm.